Crystal Crawford is an entrepreneur, businesswoman, access consciousness facilitator, author, and longtime friend. Crystal and I met over 20 years ago at a Bible school. Fast forward, we have both journeyed in our own ways away from the religion of our childhoods. If you've ever walked away from a church, a cult, or a religion, you may be familiar with the challenges it can bring. Crystal and I sat down to talk all about it in this episode of Guilty of Heresy, Losing My Religion. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. And I am, thank you for sitting down with me. And I would love to jump to, you know, a very light and airy topic. So let's start at the beginning of you and your life and family. So talk to me about your family growing up, what that was like, what was your experience as a kid? Yeah, it was really intense to put it really mildly. I, my mom was 21. My dad was 27 when they had me. So when I look at that, they were just babies. Um, but there was every kind of abuse pretty much that you could possibly imagine. Emotional, sexual, religion, financial. Um, they argued constantly. So it was a very um, a, like a intensely emotionally battering situation. And I just remember as a, a small kid feeling really stressed all the time, like stressed and scared. And, you know, and then my mom added babies pretty quick. So there was like 18 months between me and my brother and another 18 months between the next sister and then another one, another one. And I was the oldest. So for me, my job became protection of the kids. And so, yeah, it was, it was uh, five years old, you know, the sexual abuse began and then that continued until I was 12 and then I stopped it. So there was a lot of shit. Like my, my parents loved to fight. Uh, yeah. And that was probably my dominant memories from when I was a kid was like, I remember a few things about food <laughs> and then I remember the fighting. <laughs> and, That's um, funny. Yeah. The food part. Yeah. 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 So did religion in the midst of the sexual abuse and the fighting and all of those things, was there a religious component to your upbringing? Oh, yeah. yeah, our whole life actually was formed around a religion. So I was part of a, a U.S. cult called the I Am Activity, which from what I know now is this blend of metaphysics and Hinduism and New Age stuff components. So we were, we didn't have a TV. We didn't have a radio. Um, we weren't exposing ourselves to the outside world basically and we wore pastel colors because dark colors had negative energy and we didn't have pepper in the house for example that had negative energy um, we were vegetarians because animals being killed had negative energies so yeah our whole life actually was built around this religion and I had a very a very strange mix of like incredibly insulated life in that I I didn't even go to public school till I was grade four I was in Montessori schools private schools um, I went to this sanctuary every Sunday. So we got dressed up in really long dresses. I had very long hair. It was very curled. Um, went to the sanctuary every Sunday. We drove two hours from uh, where we were to another one farther away. And, you know, everyone was in white and everyone was decreeing the violet flame and invoking St. Germain. And so our whole life was built around religion. And um, yeah, I, I still catch so many different points of view in my own world in terms of just being a moralist like this is right and this is wrong because that's just how it was so ingrained it was yeah. there for so long so did that continue 
until you left the house or did it end somewhere in your growing up years? Yeah. So when I, yeah. So when I was 12 and 13, uh, my mom finally had enough and she called the police and had my dad taken out of the house. And about six months later, I told my mom about the sexual abuse. So our life completely changed after that. My mom immediately called social services in the United States, which got us into the legal system, which was just so intense. Um, I had to tell, sit in front of perfect strangers and tell them what my dad had done. So that changed everything because my mom's focus changed from, you know, making sure that we had the right, like putting a lot of energy into making sure we got to the sanctuary every week into making sure we got into therapy. And so we stopped going to the sanctuary. And and what happened is my mom was a piano teacher and she was talking to people and she found out that there were other possibilities for religious support. And so we were Mormon for a little while. We were Mormon for about two years because the church was close. Um, And then the Mormons found out that she was getting a divorce and that was not okay. And she was not okay with them not being okay with that. So we weren't Mormon anymore. And then about a year after that, another piano student introduced her to New Life Church, which is this incredibly huge charismatic church in Colorado Springs and she started going for a while and then she invited me to go with her and that was my first experience of religion where even though I was incredible I had always been incredibly different like nobody could relate to my beliefs like if I ever talked about my religious stuff everyone thought I was weird so I just didn't talk about it but it was the first time where I had been accepted as I was and people liked me anyway and I found a peer group And so about a year of that, just being involved with these people and being around them and being liked by them and being in social events, I was 16 at the time, I think, I finally gave my life to Jesus. I got saved and I started really um, studying the Bible and becoming one of the cool kids in that group because I really wanted to belong and I wanted my life to mean something and, you know, I wanted to change the world. And so I got really, really, really um, extreme in that. <laughs> That's actually what so, led me. Yeah. Yeah. So there were pieces of that one that matched something that matched you. Something that you knew. Of, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm such an interruptive. I can find pieces of what I've known my whole life throughout everything I've chosen. You know, there were pieces in my, in my early childhood where we would travel to Northern California and we'd go on this retreat with the whole religion where I really remember talking to fairies and like being down in the dirt and just communing with the nature spirits. I really, really remember that. Um, and then, yeah, as soon as I, when I chose and changed my life to become a Christian, which was this big life shift, it was the, the awareness that I had that the world could be different. I actually didn't understand that if the love of God was so sweet and I experienced it as sweet, why nobody, like everybody should know about this. And I wanted a change in the world. So I, yeah, there was elements throughout my entire life that I recognize now. Yeah. So if you go back to little crystal and then teenage crystal leading up until that point of your Jesus experience, was it confusing to you with the initial religion and then the Mormon religion, or was it, was it always, what was going on in your world with all of it? Well, it was interesting because when you grow up in something, you don't, it's just fact, you know, like this is what I remember most vividly about growing up in the, in the cult. It was like, it was just fact, you know, what we believed was just what was true. You know, the, we were polytheistic. The sun was a God. Uh, We had our own individual presence connected to us. You know, there was just all these things. Reincarnation was true. 
um, stuff that when you said it out in the outside world, people would look at you funny, but it was just a fact. And so when I started going to Christian church for the first year, again, people would ask me what my beliefs were because they were evangelistic. They were evangelistic and they wanted to get me saved, you know, and I would tell them and they would be like, oh, that we're just going to pray for you. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't have a point of view. I knew they told us we were going to be different. I knew I was different. So I didn't, it didn't affect me that people didn't see it the same way I did because I just knew they wouldn't. So you've been a heretic from day one. My whole what you're saying. Your whole life, you took whatever was there and you still saw it the way you saw it and you interacted with it the way you interacted with it. And that was yeah. The yeah. thing that changed it for me and why I gave up that set of beliefs for the Christian beliefs was I ended up having a very experiential a number of very experiential moments with the being I called Jesus and you know looking back on it now I don't was it Jesus I don't know if I care um it was really transformative and yes. that for me was the deal changer like ah there's something here that I feel that someone who's for me and I didn't really have anybody in my life who was for me and to me that was the sweetness that was I would give everything for like that was I'll change my whole life for that I'll change my beliefs I'll change the way I live I'll change what I study for that so that to me was has always been the manna um, in everything actually right so how long did you stay on the Christian path where that was fundamentally your belief system if you will and I was in it like, so this is how I met you. Um, I know I, <laughs> I was in it too. <laughs> so I got saved when I was about 18. And then I learned this was a very evangelistic church, which all that means is like, this was a church that was dedicated to con like conforming the whole world to their beliefs, you know, transforming the world with their beliefs. So, you know, we had all the flags of all the world on the ceiling of this incredibly huge building. And it was just so inspiring and I wanted to be a part of that change for the world. And so I raised some money. I raised $5,000, which at the time was like a beyond. I have some cool stories about that, but went on a missions trip. And that was when I was about 21. And then I relapsed. <laughs> what I mean by that is like, I, I don't know what changed. I think my mom and I split up as people. This is a whole other story. Um, and I started going out to the bars and drinking and I, I wasn't keeping up with my car and I ended up getting three car insurance no car insurance tickets and that sent me to jail for eight days so I had this whole like two-year period where I was a mess and I learned something new about you today that's an awesome <laughs> story <laughs> so again I was like living this incredibly backslidden life according to Christianity so when I yeah when it changed and I got out of jail I made a new demand of myself that I really wanted to get my feet under me as a person because I felt very groundless yeah. I felt very um, alone I felt lost and that was where the choice for Bible school came in, which is where I met you. Yeah. And I was really going to that too, for me, like I didn't necessarily want to be a pastor, but if I, that was the purpose of the school, but if I, you know, I was doing it for me. And so when I got accepted and I, you know, it was the, I could go, I then got a second job to raise the money to go down to that school and uh, move myself from Colorado to Alabama, which for me was this huge deal. And that's how I got to impact. So that Christian part of my life was pretty intense and like full of big choices for me, but it changed when I was about 30. I read a book called The Sins of Scripture. I didn't even read the whole book. And one of the things, one of the things that I'd learned at Impact at Bible School was that 
you can recognize, how did Jim say this? He basically kind of taught us to navigate the Bible with our awareness. Like you want to kind of, if it doesn't match the character of God, this is how he put yes. it. Right. Then it's not true. And that really, that was a seed that stuck with me. So five years later, I'm reading the sins of scripture. And, and one of the things this guy talks about is that it wasn't, it didn't make sense that there was only one way to God that just didn't match. And I started really looking at, there's like 7,000 and whatever shades of green. There's all these different shades of blue. There's millions of shades of red. There's like, we have so many rods in our eyes, like every single thing in the entire, on the entire planet has multiples, like countless multiples. And yet there's only one way to God. And I was like, something cracked. I was like, Hmm, yeah. And that's where for me, I began what really felt like a heretical path because I very distinctly remember how much, how confronting it was going to be to say any of this out loud to what was, what had become my circle. My circle had kind of become impact people, Christian people. And so for me to start saying any of this was going to be like this instant rejection from those people. Right. Well, and you mentioned earlier how that's where that sense of actually having a group began. So to face the sense of security you had from this particular group for quite a few years to that going away, I can imagine there was a bit of a conflict with that. Was there ever a point where you question because Christianity is very good at you know the whole backslidden thing you talked about or the heaven and the hell or the was there ever a moment where you thought god I really hope I'm not wrong about this oh <laughs> I yeah I was I'm terrified <laughs> I was yeah I was simultaneously terrified and mortified at yeah there was lots of moments I would say probably a year or yeah. two where I was really yeah. really really quiet about almost everything at that time, I wasn't really doing social media. So it wasn't as much, but I was like starting to, I don't know, social media had started to become a thing. So it was easier for me to kind of transform on my own there. But I was, I was pretty petrified because this was, this was going to mean the expulsion from a few groups, my family, my mom group. She's still very, very, very much Christian. And this new, this new group of people that I had really, really adored and really admired. And, and you and I had lost touch during that time. And yeah. I think it was like when I was 37 or 37, I would separate it again. So this, when I was 30, this happened when I was married for the first time. And then that marriage ended and I started a new marriage. And in this new marriage, part of what we added to our life to just make it more wholesome was a church. We did that. We started going to church again. But I was already on this, um, I chose the church because he was willing to kind of include everybody who kind of had every point of view, Hmm. but it was still very Christian. So, but I liked it because I was a part of a group. Well, then I left that marriage and we were no longer a part of that group. So by the time I ran into you again, and you were the one that had access consciousness listed as your employer, I was completely alone. I was without any groups, family, husband any groups. And I was aching for something different. And that's what allowed access consciousness to have as much grab on me. It was you with access consciousness. That was the blend I needed to go. There's something different because I had really admired you. I still do. Um, You were a huge part of that key pivotal time in my life of Christianity, you know, 
So I also think it's just so elegant how the universe has your back and puts yes. things together at the exact time that you need it. And I love what you said though, because you you made the choice to take the path anyway, not knowing what would show up, yeah, knowing the risk, if you will, of what you stood to lose, which had really mattered to you. So can you talk about first part of the question, how did people respond when they started to see your change? And then, well, let's just start with that one. How did people yeah. respond to you? Yeah. So initially when I started expressing more, I still had a lot of um, Christian folks as friends on Facebook and I got backlash for sure. I had some really opinionated, righteous um, people that took the time to tell me I was wrong. Me too. My, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On my Facebook posts, like publicly, basically. Yeah. And yes. it wasn't a lot of people, but in the, initially when it happened, it, it hit that thing that I was afraid was going to happen. It like hit the fear and I was like, oh my God. And, and, you know, I, so you go through different moments with that. I'm sure at some point I stopped talking for a minute and then I finally was like, look, I just, I'm going to keep going. And if you don't like it, you can just, you know, so at a certain point I still followed what I knew. So there have been moments of being shaken for sure, but there is this thing in me that's like, after I'm shaken for a minute, whatever that minute is, I'm still going to get back up and follow what I know. I think I've kind of always had that. And I wonder if that was the gift, one of the massive gifts of being born into a cult that where they told you you were going to be different. I'm like, I know I'm different. I know mm. not everybody's going to agree with what I say. So I think maybe yeah. that developed some strength that I needed now. But yeah, it reminds it's me. It reminds me of Moana when she yeah. has the moment of taking the heart of Tafiti and throwing <laughs> it in the water. Like yes. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. It's just too much. And then having her moment and then diving back in after it because it's like that. This is how I would say it. Say if this is what similar for you, but it's something that calls you. It just yeah. calls you. And yeah, you know, you might go shaking and trembling, but. When you come in as a heretic who just sees that, and I think we kind of come in that way. We try not to be because we try to find that belonging you talked about or try to find that sense of normal or that sense of something. But fundamentally, when you know, you just know, you know, something else that keeps drawing you back. Now, what are people going to get a chance to hear your story? Because like we could really yes. talk about this back and forth. So We could. <laughs> Let's keep going with you on this one. Okay. We'll see All where right. it lands. I want. But I, so good too. Right. Yeah. And so many similarities, you know, yeah. I mean, I can say um, my Jesus experience was younger. I was five and yeah. I was at a um, like a children's church meeting thing with a lady with a with a dummy uh named Clifford who was terrifying and <laughs> I mean I was terrified of this thing watching her and watching him and but there was a, what I call an energy now yeah. that was palpable and it was when she started talking or Clifford started talking about Jesus and how he loved you and how there was this safe space and having abuse in my family and a lot of crazy in my family there was an energy that was so that. And I remember saying the Jesus prayer, the sinner prayer. And I remember you called it experience. And I would say that. And there were several throughout my life where I would just go yeah. tangible, just 
makes me cry. It opened a space like in my little terrified world of whatever this is. Okay. Yes, I'll have this. And, but then going on in church and then what occurred was, okay, that feeling, that sense you had, you only get to keep it. If you follow this framework, you only get to keep it. If you do it this way, you only get to, it only comes outside of you from over here. And that's where it got wonky. And that's where I was confused. And that's where it didn't match. And yet, and I love how you expressed your story because it's really beautifully illustrated is that there's still gratitude for what it is, what it was and what it is. And there's also the awareness of yes, but it's not fit in a framework of right and wrong in one way. It's so much bigger than that. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I can look back now and see that it was my very humanoid resistance tendencies that kept me from being engulfed by the structure completely. I, I was just looking back on something you said where this, there was all this sweetness, like the, the yeah. relationship that I built with Jesus, with God during that time actually kept me from killing myself. I was incredibly yeah. um, rejected by my family. I was incredibly alone. I was so depressed. I didn't know I was aware, but I had cultivated this, this nurturing space for myself with these beings and music and everything that, that became my support system and was enough, like more than enough to, you know, get me here. If I look at how, you know, I was incredibly suicidal. (laughs) So yeah, I, you know, I needed that. And um, there was something else you said that was so good. And I lost it anyway. So I have, oh, I know. But so at the time when I was really, really into the the group, the evangelical, you know, new thing, I was in my 20s and everybody was about preparing themselves for marriage and like making sure that they were going to be a good bride and the bride of Christ and all this stuff. And I really like, there's something, the purity of that really drew me and I loved it. Mm. But I never could make myself marry a Christian man. I was always marrying somebody that was outside the fold. And when I look at that now, and I've, I've continued to do that, I don't ever just get myself trapped in the fold. <laughs> so I really admire it and I really love it. And then I'm like, yeah, but I'm going over here. And that has yeah. always put me in situations where I can question because I, you know, I, I'm not with somebody that's going to uphold the structure. I was with somebody that actually looked at all religions and questioned all things. And that really broadened my horizons into into question. So what a gift that was. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say now today, this thing we call God, what is that for you? It's a really, um, to me, it's the inclusion of all beings. I don't think now I can have a conversation about God without including the spirit world because I didn't know I growing up as a Christian, you, the kind of Christian I was, there's so many different kinds, this flavor, (laughs) you know, we had our own ideas of angels and demons. And, and actually we would spend, I would go to services where you'd spend hours, like binding the devil. Like there was this. Me too. Oh my gosh. We need to do a part two to this because we could talk (laughs) all about that. Okay. Anyway. So So keep going. (laughs) So hours, hours. And I remember going to those services. My mom loved them and they're very intense. And I I appreciate intensity. I'm an intense person. But I remember coming out of those going, why are 
isn't like once he's bound, he's bound. Like, why are we doing this for hours? Like how much energy does this actually take? So I remember being really kind of put off by how much energy people were giving demons and the devil. And there was a lot of talk of like, don't do this. That opens the door for the devil. Don't do this. That opens the door for the devil sort of thing. So I had a whole, and that, but, but then next to that experience, I had my whole childhood where we knew about fairies and angels. And I wanted to be, I was an angel in the uh, pageant every year. And so I had this really diverse experience with the spirit world as I now can now get it. But so, so, so then this is really mashed up in terms of timelines, but like, it wasn't really until about four or five years ago that I really started exploring it again. So it was like, it took me years of just experience and whatever to find again, what I had in my twenties, which turned out to be this communion with my team, with the beings of consciousness, with the beings of light that are surrounding us. And, um, so to me, the conversation about God is about is really a conversation of communion and inclusion and um, allowance for all of the the great. I don't even have words for this. The elements and support that we have all the time that we can choose to ignore or we can choose to receive from, and. That is the richness that I recognize throughout my entire childhood and life that now I can just choose to have an experience yeah, really, anytime, anytime that I want. Yeah, really beautifully said. And it is hard to articulate because there isn't a definition. And I think that's where people who are seekers, people who they just fundamentally know there's something else going on and they've always had a sense of it. And then depending on your upbringing or your experiences, you go, oh, well, that sort of matches that. So I can go over here and plug into that because it sort of matches. It's close enough. I think for church for me, and especially even the, the more charismatic types of things, yeah. it was here, here I am a little kid seeing entities, wondering why the old lady in the store doesn't recognize She's sad about her husband not being there. And I'm like, yeah, but he's actually right there. And then you say that out loud and you get in trouble or you're crazy or they wonder what's wrong with you. But then you go to a church that goes, oh, we call it words of wisdom. We call it words of prophecy. The Holy Spirit. Or the Holy Spirit. But, oh, there's a place where this doesn't feel so weird anymore because they do this too, but they plug it into this framework. But when you start to take away the definition and that it has to match a framework, then you do what you just said, Crystal, is you see it everywhere and you yeah. can just have gratitude for it and you don't have to define it or plug it into a particular structure. And you know, it's, it, it, totally. I guess the thing that's really assisted, the, the thing that makes anyone a heretic is moving from a set of beliefs into another framework or no framework and that's really a heretic yes and so you become a heretic in your family when you no longer play the family game when you're just being yourself and you're choosing and you know so I became a heretic in my family like probably back when I was 18 or 19 and then it got worse when I was 27 and worse when I was 37 you know so and then you're a heretic in relationship because you didn't buy the point of view that you should have one man for your whole life and settle with that. And then you're a heretic with all this. We could keep going. <laughs> so, so, but I think that's important yeah. to get. It's like you're a heretic on the moment you choose a different framework or no framework at all. 
And so like, so my family doesn't speak to me at all because they, because what I'm choosing with my life does not match what they've decided is a good thing to choose. And, you know, if you look at what I'm choosing, I'm changing people's lives. I'm contributing so much, you know, like there's so much greatness coming out of it, but it's rejected by them because it doesn't match their point of view. And, and that's harsh, but that's a lot of people's families. So like that, and, and that's taken me years to, I have had to use a lot of tools to develop personal care for myself regardless and allowance for what they're choosing and allowance for what that what they're choosing says about them because it's like that's really unkind and I didn't want to know that they were that so I think a lot of us defend ourselves from awareness by making ourselves wrong when in truth what's happening is we've been surrounded by some pretty mean people and that's what makes you a heretic and so it's recognizing I think the whole picture as it is instead of what we've been taught, which is that if you choose outside this framework, you're wrong. That's, it's too, it's not correct. Yes. And everything you just said. So the allowance for yourself that you're not wrong and you can trust you, even if it is super different. And and that, and that even if I am wrong, I'm still okay. It's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cause you have your own back. So talk to somebody who is in that spot right now where they're, allowing themselves to be the heretic that they are they're allowing themselves to see things the way they see them even if nobody else does and they're dealing with rejection or they're dealing with questioning in their own head if if they're really missing the mark here what would you say to somebody what are some of the things that assisted you well the the things that assisted me the very most were the access consciousness tools i cannot i would not be here today without those because i've never I've never found another set of tools that empowered me with what was really true. And so anytime you're like drowning in something or it's really, really heavy, that's the stuff that's not true. So you really need assistance to go find what is true. Like what's, what's really true here. What's true is always lighter and what's heavy is not true. So, man, I, I had to cling to interesting point of view. I have this point of view, interesting point of view. She has this point of view. My mom is a very intense abusive person that would tell you that I'm the abusive person and she's gone to court for elder abuse she lives she's lives a hoarder lifestyle she's living in poverty in poverty in the middle of suburbia like burning trash in her fireplace like she's everyone around her recognizes the the what she's created herself as except her so she so she will come after me for not believing in Jesus for not visiting, like all kinds of things, whatever she can. Her points of view are right and I am wrong. And that's always been the way that it is. So I grew up knowing I was wrong. So for me to deviate from that took, took courage, took more courage than I even really knew I had at the time. And for me to really like obtain me again, recover me afterwards took years. And so I had to really, really actively, diligently work with tools because when I would hear something from her, it just was true. It was instantly true. So all every reaction in my body was like crumple, you know? So I had to start building a new muscle of not crumpling. And so I would say to anybody that's looking at this, just man, tie a knot at the end of your rope, hold on and like grab a tool and start using it because there is a you in there that has the courage and the strength to do this. You survived your life. You got yourself here. You have this. 
Now it's time to build those self-care muscles that have totally been atrophied or never been developed through the use of some key tools. So interesting point of view. I have this point of view is like huge. I took probably 120 access classes. I just <laughs> access class after access class after access class. It, um, it helps beyond anything you can possibly imagine, truly. Truly. And, you know, so for me, access consciousness pretty much in totality was the thing that I needed. And, you know, the abuse class and the abuse clearing. And man, there's just so many different things that I've chosen. But all to the end of developing the, the strength to be me, no matter who has what opinion about it. And um, yeah. Yeah, beautifully what said. What tools and did I use? Access consciousness. In yes. <laughs> and she, she gave you a couple of awesome ones. And there's so many more. There's and so many more. So many Who more. does this belong to, you know? Like, if I were truly yeah. being me, what would I choose here? Because I didn't even know what I would choose. I was so used to being led by someone else's framework. So my family's framework, the religion's yes. framework, my relationship's framework. I was used to finding a framework yes. and living by that. And so I had to develop, like, if I were truly being me here, what would I choose? I'm like, I have no idea. So I had to keep asking and keep asking and keep yes. asking. I still have to keep asking. Um, yeah, and develop. religion does a lot to not including you and not even knowing what it is you would choose. And that's one of the things for me, because I, I hit the point of, okay, so I don't actually believe in this God outside of me anymore. Yeah. All right. So, okay, cool. I changed my point of view about that. I no longer have this deity out here that I talk to and, you know, is the source of my life. But does that really matter in what I do in my life, which is talking to other people, facilitating classes? Can that just be something Marnie does over here and not really integrate it into everything else? And where I got to, no, actually it can't, is because one of the most devastating lies is that the source is outside of you, whatever you call it. God or otherwise, that is where we go down this path of destruction because we are nowhere in the creation of our lives because fundamentally we're either lacking, we're not enough, or we don't matter, or some other variation of that. And you cannot create or live your life when that is your basic fundamental point of view. So for me, it's not having this conversation went out the window because recognizing that I'm the source for me, that you're the source for you actually yeah. really matters and having that, a different reality. I'm glad you brought that up being the source because that is another, probably the only other huge thing is that I am the source for everything that comes into my life. You know, so you asked me earlier, like the, about the God thing and kind of where did that go? And I'm like, well, it just, it changed into a totally other conversation. You know, like yes. I didn't know I was the source of everything that showed up in my life. And me learning that and then instituting it because those are kind of two different things like you have the information but then you're like what is yeah. me being the source of my life changed everything like yeah. i i struggled with the same financial reality that my mom struggled i struggled with the same moral reality that my mom struggled with because i just assumed it as mine and yes. and that's what we do when we join organizations and we join a family the same thing family's a cult <laughs> Right. You're supposed to just fall in line with the common point of view. That is, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, very true. So, so when I, so when you start to, you're living and you're looking at your life and all this fruit in your life, 
And man, there's so many amazing things that come out of the Bible. Like if you want to know the tree, look at its fruit. I'm looking at the fruit going, mm, should I don't really want to eat that. <laughs> I don't like that fruit, you know, I but I, like did, it. I did that. I'm like, well, how yeah. do I do different fruit? <laughs> like I got to exactly. I gotta start realizing that I'm the source of that fruit. So if, I'm, if yes. I can be the source of that fruit, what else can I be the source of? And you start getting to on a different level that you. The empowerment. Yes. Yes. Saying outside of me, I'm it. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. I like it. I don't like it. I like it. Good I'm, news, bad news. Not, Good news, yeah, bad news. Exactly. <laughs> totally, totally yeah. that. Yeah. But that's changed yeah. everything. That changed my financial reality, my relationship, everything. Every single thing yeah. that I was struggling with was I was struggling because I was trying to find the answer to the problem outside of me. And yeah. exactly what you said, like praying to God, hoping and wishing. Um, somewhere out there is the answer. No, no, no. Right here, right here is the choice maker, not even the answer. I am that I, I am that I am that I am. Like I'm it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what can I be? What can I choose? And man, that like that's a game changer every day. Yeah, totally that. Which brings up the Bible verse that's so often used to say that Jesus right. is the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No, no man gets comes to, to the, the father, father but by me. Yeah. Which it's touted as the, that's why it's Jesus. That's why he's the door. That's why he's, it's, you know, the center's prayer. But when you actually look at it, what is being said is until you, each one of us gets that I am, we don't create the life, the way, the truth, because we be it when we yeah. get that we be it. It is yeah. that I am, you are not something out here is. Exactly. And if you, there's really interesting books that you and I were both invited to read during Bible school. One of them is about yes. church history. And if you oh, do yes. really study this, like everything in the Bible was tweaked and changed to support the institution of a church. And if you look at the way the Catholic church has formed itself over the years there, they are their own state. They are one of the wealthiest countries in the entirety of the world you know, they've created themselves so that people will be slaves to the institution. And, and, and the Bible was translated afterwards to support the institution. And so it, I think it's just really, man, there's so much to it. I mean, there is. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try well, to sum the, it up. I think it's just really this one thing. But I don't know. <laughs> well, because it is the translated to support the control and the church and the, yeah. you know, the domination of, of all the things. But then there's even just the translation piece of the spoken words translated into Latin, then translated into this, then translated into that. And there was a spoken word language and the written language. And you just take <clears throat> English to Spanish as an easy example. Yeah. How many words from language to language? Actually, I'll hear people say, yeah, well, we don't. We don't actually have that word in our language. We have a language. word for that, yeah. Like so we, then people try to come up with what's the closest to it to make it match. And anybody and it, just taking an honest look at things goes, yeah, it can't, can't be just 100% the truth. Then it becomes but, a game of telephone where down the line, it's like something totally different. <laughs> and then take, then take your individual interpretation of it and then yeah. go from there. And one of my favorite books in addition to the church history is the velvet Elvis with Rob Bell, oh, yeah. who Rob has Bell been touted terrible. throughout the media as, as a heretic. A heretic. Yeah, love it. Love <laughs> so it. if you're dabbling in this conversation at all, I highly recommend his book. And I will say this because if you're still, yeah, I'm still in the Jesus place of things, totally fine. 
He, when he wrote this book, I don't know where he is now. He was a pastor of a church very much adhering to a Christian point of view. However, basically saying, and don't ever stop asking questions. Don't ever think you've arrived at what it is. Always keep asking. So it's an awesome book. It's awesome. And the He's dance, awesome. the dance of the dissident daughter, <laughs> Sumon Kid, also another one. So yes, if you're yes. curious, yes, yes. And I, that's another thing I would just jump on with what you just said. It's like, if you're curious, there's something you're aware of. Um, curiosity yes. is a, is an incredible gift because it continues the evolution of everything. You know, I, I think one of the things, there's so many disservices, I think, in religion. And one of them is like, it want, it, it attempts to stop evolution and just tell you that this is the only way, this is the way you want to start forming your life around this. And I got a lot of gifts out of that. Like there's, you know, be kind to one another, like support one another, support the members of your community, you know, maybe those two things, (laughs) you know, like there's a communion available, you know, like have that and that'll transform you. I got more of that from Jim Richard, but then there's just all these other things. And so it's like, if we don't teach ourselves to know for ourselves, if we just accept, and this is the difference I think between access consciousness, for example, or, and religious points of view is like the religion says just accept this Mm. consciousness says what do you know what do you sense consciousness actually teaches you to rely on your sensation of things instead of your blind faith in things and so you know i would personally if you're curious there's something that maybe you've done on blind faith that you're kind of that's kind of hitching your gitch a bit it's like "Mm, that's you that's you kind of coming out and going "Mm, something there's something what is it you know yeah because and and the thing is that's true one of the truths in the bible is that seekers seek and you will find you will find if you seek so seek it go after it like scratch that itch because there's something you're aware of that you haven't found articulated yet that exists that's true and, and if I, you're still listening to this conversation, then you have it, or you would have shut us off a long time ago. Can I just say that? So yeah. yeah, exactly what you just said, Crystal. And what if you just gave yourself permission to follow that curiosity? Cause it is you follow that awareness, that, that question, cause it is you. Yeah. What could that open up for you? Yeah. Um, and for some, like, I know we're, we feel like we're wrapping up, but for some reason, I want to ask you, like, uh, I know that one of the, I think, most difficult parts of being a heretic is the possibility that you do lose your people. It's like, and so I wanted to ask you, like, how are you navigating that? Because I know, like, there's, you know, family's kind of a constant. Um, how are you navigating that? That's an awesome question. And it's interesting because it's different with each person and dynamic, I would say. So how I'm navigating it for the most part is I don't have to lead with telling everyone my point of view, but I'm also not going to give up me in the situation. And if somebody in my world is not okay with me not agreeing with their point of view, and puts me in a constant state of judgment of that, or they're in judgment of me, then they're really not invited into my world. And it's not a similar to you and your, your family, your mom. It's not a middle fingers in the air. You must go away, but it is, a, I'm actually going to have enough honor for me 
that if the only way we can engage is you telling me why I'm wrong and continuously asking, where's Jesus and all this, Marnie, then we really don't need to have a conversation and it's okay. Um, so that's one way I would say it. And I also really, part of being a heretic for me is the courage, the tenacity, and I'm going to say, I don't like the word journey, but it's a bit of a journey and of a sort of a stretching your muscle into it. Part of it is I'm willing to have my point of view, even if it's so different than anyone else's, no matter what that means. And again, it's not that I lead out with the fight of you've got to see it, notice and know, but I'm going to have it for me, whatever that means. And that is uh, some days easy and some days, well, that one really sucked. I really enjoyed this person in my world, but <laughs> here we are. So yeah, it's a bit of a day by day choice. It is a day-by-day choice. Yeah. But I do think like that's probably one of the primary reasons for people maybe not choosing to claim that they are indeed heretical. They are indeed different. They, you know, uh, is that is to not want to lose those people. And, you know, what I would say is like, is keeping the people that want to keep you in the structure, giving you more of you? Is it giving you more freedom? Is it giving you more caring? Is it, you know? It, or is it doing something else and really just starting to yeah. look at it? Cause that, yeah, that was, I think that's always been the slowdown for me choosing is like, I don't want to, I don't want to lose those people, you know? And then I always eventually choose, but yes. that can be a big detractor from really choosing. And it doesn't have to stay that way. And, and I think the other cool thing is like, once you do really start to choose what you know and have no articulation for, have no definition for, there are more people that are actually, you know, you create your life, you create your family, you create your, your circles and your, your reality after that. Yes. And it, it's not only not, it's not that, it's not only not that bad, it's actually quite beautiful. So there's a really yes. beautiful possibility on the other side of what might it seem is. like total destruction to let go of what you've created so far. Yes. There's a businessman entrepreneur, uh, Michael Saylor is his name, and he does a podcast with Lex Friedman. And he was asked one time by a friend whose son was graduating high school, what would you say to a young person, you know, starting out their life? And he had a, a very succinct, cool thing that he wrote, but two lines in there that really struck me was cultivate your environment and cultivate your friends. And for me, family falls under the friends category too. No, sorry, not cultivate, curate, wrong word, curate your environment, curate your friends. Yes. And curate is, I'm, I'm going to be very deliberate and I'm going to be very selective in this. And growing up in an abusive environment, religious environment, you don't actually matter. So whoever is your family, you just have to take them. Whatever the environment is, you just have to deal. And to get really, you know what, I actually get to curate this. I actually can choose what is going to add and I can actually say no if it doesn't. That's opened up a whole space for me, which is also another heresy conversation because we're not supposed to do that. No. <laughs> but it's made a lot of difference in my world to what you said, Crystal, because who starts to show up are the people that actually contribute to me having more of me and I contribute that to them. And it's yeah. a really beautiful thing. 
It's really beautiful. Nature doesn't leave a blank space. So once no. the space opens, there's new growth that starts immediately. I love that. Yeah. Nature doesn't leave a blank space. Beautifully said. Yeah. So any last, well, first, thank you. I love, I love all the places we've gone in this and I, we could go, we could literally talk <laughs> about this for days. I have no <laughs> doubt about it because there's so much to be said about it. I mean, when I, when I read that definition of heresy and just really started to get, oh, it's having your own point of view, basically, I went, well, that describes me from day one. And I have gotten my <laughs> ass handed to me for that since day one <laughs> to the point that I stopped. But then, oh, I'm actually going to reclaim that because it's actually a brilliance. It's not a, a negative. It's a brilliance. So, yeah. So what yeah. would you like to say? They kind of in just wrapping up this conversation oh my gosh like what's going to make life worth living for you you know is keeping your voice hidden and wrapped and you know keeping yourself small and even though you know you're different like is that going to actually be life worth living for you are you going to be able to look in the mirror tomorrow or today and go yeah I'm proud of what I haven't said or what I haven't, ex you know, and I don't mean expressed like you have to go out in public and say it, but you know, that thing where you know something and you might be hiding it because, you know, is that going to be life worth living for you? And if no, like what would be life worth living for you? What is the planet that you want to see? What's the reality that you want to live in, in the, in the air, like in the open air that you just want to be living and you know, what would it be like to be the guy that did instead of the guy that didn't, you know, whatever that is for you, maybe it's saying something, maybe it's not, maybe it's just allowing yourself to be that different and saying nothing about it. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is for you, what is that? And, you know, what would it be like to be willing to live that? Yeah, beautifully said. And that being the focus changes everything so you don't have to come away from this conversation going well do I need to change my beliefs do I need to let go of this do I need to drop that keep what works let go of what doesn't and if your target was what crystal just said beautifully then everything else just falls away because you just follow that and there's really no decisions to be made you just follow whatever that is because it'll keep showing up and then you it choose, will. and then it'll keep yeah. showing up and then you'll choose yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank and you so much. so much more fun and easy thank so you. much more fun yeah thank you oh crystal so so grateful and yeah now we have to have a little love fest <laughs> just because <laughs> i but truly you've been in my world for you brought up alabama where we met i don't know if you said alabama but that's where it was yeah and that was a long time ago and it was so cool for me when you popped back into my world in the way that you did. And, and then here we are many years later. And, oh my gosh, what a story. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Thank you. And much more to be written still. Which yes. I'm forward to. Oh my gosh, cool. So, thank you, Crystal. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye for now.